listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back in to a brand new episode of the show here on this beautiful Thursday, all across Broncos country, from the South Stands to the end zone. You are Lockdown Broncos. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter. At Cody Rourke and Philly, follow the podcast at Lockdown Broncos. Today's episode of Lockdown Broncos brought to you by our good friends over there, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I'll tell you about them a little bit later on as the show progresses. But ladies and gentlemen, today's episode of the show, we're going to answer some listener questions from Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL, some pertaining to the NFL season, some pertaining to some of the positions on this Broncos team, just 18 days away from kickoff against the Tennessee Titans at Empower Field at Mile High Plus. I sit down and I talk Broncos football with Andrew Wade, host of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, and we talk about some of the Iowa players that are currently representing for the Denver Broncos, getting a little bit of a profile breakdown on them for Iowa Hawkeye listeners. If you're an Iowa Hawkeyes fan, I encourage you to check out Andrew at Locked On Hawkeyes as well. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start things off with today's episode. We're going to dive into some of the questions here on Twitter, and we're going to go from there. There's a lot I want to talk about today, and it's going to segue a little bit off of some of the questions that listeners and viewers of this show have asked. So let's start things off here with Dallas Jeter with just 18 days away from kickoff. What are some of the questions that fans have surrounding your Denver Broncos? And Dallas Jeter says, right tackle? And is Drew Locke what he seems to be? And I, I think that some of the things that a lot of fans have discussed, I mean, I'm, I'm active everywhere on social media. I'm on Reddit. I'm on YouTube, and I just see the comments, and I see the interaction, and I feel like a lot of people, and I just don't know where it comes from, I think a lot of people really take a look at a player, and maybe it's their experience, and they say, this guy should be there, uh, but the reality of the situation is, the, the Broncos are, are pretty comfortable right now with their plan at the right tackle position. The key focus is supposed to be Elijah Wilkinson. The, the moment that Juwan James opted out of the 2020 NFL season, that was the decision by the organization. We're going to move Elijah back to right tackle because, A, he's got a lot of snaps there from the 2019 season. He's got experience. B, he's been training for the tackle position rather than guard like he did in 2019. He's focused specifically on tackle itself. Yeah, coming off of an ankle injury is, is a little bit of a rough um, analysis. It's a rough start, really. But outside of that, Elijah Wilkinson has been cleared, and he's been working his way into team drills, and he's been pretty solid. Now, you're going against Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. You're going to experience times where you get beat by those guys, and there's also times where Elijah Wilkinson has gotten the best of a couple of those players, it, whether it be a hedge-out block um, just to be able to impede the quarterback from getting contacted. That's stuff that Elijah Wilkinson has done. DeMar Dotson, he's been working with the third-team unit. He's been working his way up a little bit to the second-team unit, and the ideal goal for the Broncos is to keep DeMar Dotson as the backup to Elijah Wilkinson. DeMar Dotson's 35 years old. He's turning 35, I believe, in or he's turning 36 in October. Elijah Wilkinson's 25 years old. He's a young pup. He's a developmental guy. The Broncos have viewed Elijah Wilkinson very highly. Now, originally, they viewed him highly as a potential guard, a swing guard tackle. They like guys like that. Mike Munchak loves guys that can play both positions. But Elijah Wilkinson, despite the fact that, you know, there were some things he's got to improve in his game as a tackle, he did some really impressive things last season. I mean, durability, obviously, he missed a couple games down the stretch late in the season with an ankle injury, obviously, that bothered him all summer. He ended up getting surgery on it. So that tells you just kind of how severe it was there. But I think that the Broncos view some promise in him. And, and look, if Elijah Wilkinson can come in and compete really well, let's say he plays just really, really well at right tackle here in uh, 2020, 
Well, they may bump him over to left tackle next season, depending on how Garrett Bowles plays. And then Juwan James returns back, and he'll take over that right tackle. So the Broncos are kind of working on a little bit of a contingency plan here. Everything can change. Everything is fluid. But that's where the Broncos are at right now. Now, in terms of your other question, is Drew Locke what he seems to be? Um, From a leadership standpoint, how he portrays himself, how he carries himself, absolutely. 110% Drew Locke is who he says he is. Now, in terms of the on-field football product, I mean, that remains to be seen because five games of a sample size, not enough, but there were some things you could take away in each of those five games, some good, some bad, and you can be excited. I think Broncos fans, I think a lot of Broncos fans are worried about being excited. But look, I'm here to tell you, as an analyst, if you are a fan of the Denver Broncos, you have every single right to be really excited about what Drew Locke could potentially be. Now, he's got to get to that point. He's got to get there game by game. You got to be patient, fans. Fans got to be patient with the development of Drew Locke. It's going to take some time, but there are some really exciting things that you can build on with him. And that's where the Broncos are at. But I do think that the games this season will be a big telling factor as to whether or not he is who we think he is, right? The the potential franchise quarterback for the Broncos. I mean, that's what a lot of people think he could be. And so he's got to go out there and he's got to prove that. But yeah, that's a great question, Dallas. I certainly agree with you. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the insight into the right tackle position. That's a little bit of insight into Drew Locke's personality. He's got it. He's got the it factor. Now, can he consistently do it on the football field in 2020? That's going to be the biggest key. Uh, Stacy Carson, our next listener that has a question on Twitter, says Deontay Spencer was a solid to go to uh, returner last year for the Broncos. With so much high quality wide receiver competition, is he on the likely to stay or the likely to go side? of the bubble. Now, I, I want to refer back to what special teams coordinator Tom McMahon had said earlier on in the week, really about where every player is at. There's a lot of guys in the competition realm right now in terms of Kendall Hinton, uh, Deontay Spencer, Jerry Judy as an emergency punt return type guy, uh, De- you know, Deshaun Hamilton, potentially, I think the Broncos are going to move him away from special teams. I don't think he's going to have really much of a role there because of the fact that he's going to have a role on the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos. Uh, the guys that are necessarily not starters, you really want to put them in a special teams role and I do think for Deontay Spencer he's the best guy and Tom McMahon had said it if there's somebody out there that beats Deontay Spencer they deserve to have the return position if Spencer beats out those guys he deserves to have the position there and so far I mean he's the guy and camp he's been the one guy that's really just stood out consistently you know average yards per return he led the NFL last year he was Pro Bowl alternate Uh, those are things that stand out to me and as you mentioned the wide receiver depth is very very just competitive there's so many guys and where you know everyone's talking about Corlin Sutton Jerry Judy uh, Tim Patrick Deshaun Hamilton Fred Brown's in the mix there Kendall Hinton's in the mix there a little bit Uh, you also have Trinity Benson as well he's also in the mix so there's a bunch of guys there in there competing, and Cody White's obviously a body right now. Uh, not likely to make the final roster for the Broncos, but in camp, it's always great to have guys, and maybe you can identify yourself in some special teams play. That's the best way to make a role on the team, and that's something that uh, Tom McMahon had alluded to early on in the week. So uh, in terms of Deontay Spencer, I think he's on the likely to stay part of this roster, and I think his role will really be designated primarily to special teams and return to the football because he's really dang good at it, and you got to be able to see a little bit more. So I, I think he's the guy until he's not the guy, and that's where I think he's going to fall in terms of the final roster. I think he's going to make it, and he's going to be the team's return option. Uh, but Broncos Country, we're going to continue some of our conversations here with listeners of Lockdown Broncos coming up here in just a moment. we got more questions we got to dive into, and we're going to get to Andrew Wade's interview here in a little bit as well. Talking about some of the Iowa Hawkeyes here 
on this Denver Broncos team. But I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. That's our good friends over there at rockauto.com. And when I say good friends, I mean more like family because rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. That's a long time in the customer service business. So you can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And they have everything you could possibly think of from your car, whether it's an engine control module, whether you need a new tail lamp, you need motor oil, or even new carpet for your vehicle. Heck, if you even knew to... Heck, even if you even need a new air refreshener, they got something for you at rockauto.com. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything that you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. You got an old school vehicle that you're polishing up that you need some more parts for? rockauto.com is the place for you to go because the catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly browse through year, make, model, and even the price preferences and specifications that you prefer that fit within your budget. That's why I rock with rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now if you're a listener of Lockdown Broncos. I want you to see all the parts that are available for your car or your truck. And when you go to checkout, write Lockdown Broncos in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, always reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com Continuing our discussion from Twitter with our listeners of Lockdown Broncos all across Broncos country here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Just a reminder, we have an episode for you guys here on the show every single day, Monday through Friday, Sundays after the games, immediate post-game reaction. We have you covered on Lockdown Broncos, so make sure if you're not subscribed already that you hit that subscribe or that follow button. Next question comes in from a man, Aaron Atencio. He says, will they and the NFL as a whole follow in the steps of the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA and take a stand against racial inequality. I'm not talking about having BLM stickers on equipment. I mean actually making a statement like the one that the Bucks started today. Aaron, first off, I just want to say this is a phenomenal question. And for me, I have I've spent the last 72 hours really pondering on the state of what's going on in our world. Asking the question, why are we where we are at? And we still have a long ways to go in terms of making sure that equality is considered for everybody. Like equity is so important. Everybody has a voice at the table. Uh, and that's not the case in our country right now. And here's one thing I really wanted to touch on. I mean, obviously we saw with the Milwaukee Bucks, we saw with the NBA, they boycotted uh, playing games. Could that be something that happens in the National Football League? Pete Carroll, coach of the Seattle Seahawks, said it's certainly possible. Um, and certainly I know that the Broncos have talked, like players have talked about, you know, what is it that we can do this season to really continue to carry on the message that, you know, we want to be treated equally. And I can tell you this, this is something that racks my heart up. And I've lost followers over this because I'm in support of my black brothers and sisters and I will forever be in support of my black brothers and sisters because I have seen what a lot of my brothers and sisters have gone through uh, in day-to-day interaction just in society. I've had the opportunity to get to know NFL players. I've got the opportunity to get to know high school kids here in my local area and from afar college players and just the stories that have come out because we are in a very very difficult time as a society. We are so divided But the reality is we need to get to a point where black lives do matter, right? And I know everyone's going to say, well, you know, this isn't the organization that, you know, we want people to promote. Well, here's the deal, folks. I've lost followers. I don't care. I have a platform. I've got to use it. The, The players that we watch, the players that I cover, the players that you sit at home, you watch, you cheer, you have on your fantasy football teams, they're more than just athletes. I don't know how many times I got to say it. They are more than just athletes. And this is just something that we just continue to lose sight on. 
because we're more concerned about how many fantasy points a player scores for us rather than the well-being of that person who first and foremost is a human being before being a football player. Many of these players, they have wives, kids, families, and a lot of these players experience some injustice and police brutality. And if you're ignoring that, then that's part of the problem. I don't know if we're going to see the NFL have any teams that come out and protest. I just don't know if that's going to be something we see because, as you mentioned, there are larger teams. There are more players than there are on the MLB, the NBA, uh, the NHL, the WNBA. There's more players on a team for one specific team in the NFL that there would have to be solidarity. There would have to be a consistent message. And not every single player would be okay with boycotting or, or failing to go out and play a game. Now, games would be postponed if that's the case. But uh, more than likely, it's not probably going to happen. I'd have a hard time seeing that happen. But you never you never know. Like, we're just in a very, very rough state of affairs here in our country. And we got to do a better job as human beings. We need to stop talking. As a white man, I've got to do a better job of uh, stop talking and start listening to my black brothers and sisters that are constantly experiencing the hate and the vitriol on social media. If you go to any athlete's Twitter account right now that has retweeted or expressed support for what happened in the NBA yesterday, you're going to see so much hatred. You're going to see racism. You're going to see a lot of very, very hurtful comments. And we got to be better than that, people. We really do. Uh, so continue on here. Zach Seeger's up next. He says, do you think that Jerry Judy will always be a slot receiver primarily? Or do you think that he'll eventually become the primary outside receiver opposite of Corlin Sutton? Of course, he's already in the number two spot. But I'm asking more about the alignment and usage. Now, that's been one of the keys coming out of Broncos camp, too, folks, is Jerry Judy's been kind of moving around everywhere. We've seen him working in the slot, going against Bryce Callahan, who had a lot of great things to say about Jerry Judy the other day in his post-practice press conference. And then we've also seen him up on the outside. Now, in terms of utilization and alignment, you know, in terms of percentage of snaps, I'm not quite sure what the disparity will be between him lining up inside and outside. But with a player of his skill set and his caliber, depending on what Pat Shermer wants to run offensively, I think we're going to see a balanced mix of him lining up inside and outside. I think we're going to see him lined up opposite of Cortland Sutton. I think there's going to be times where we see him lined up to Cortland Sutton's side. And the different types of schemes and route combinations that you can run with those two on the same side is going to be impactful. I think on the opposite side, you're going to have Tim Patrick. You're going to have Noah Fan at tight end. The Broncos are going to have a lot of options. So even if teams try to focus their coverage allocations to both Judy and Sutton, guys like Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, and even running backs out of the backfield, they're going to see more opportunities. So um, I don't know if he'll be the primary outside guy or inside. I just think he's going to be one of those mixed guys where you're seeing him inside and outside. It doesn't matter if it's first down, second down, third down, fourth down. He's going to be lining up all over the place for the Broncos. And certainly... I'm okay with that. Our next question comes in from Sir X a lot. He says, bro, I'm not even sure we're going to have an NFL season. And if we do, I'm not sure it will be a full season. What do you think? I do think that, you know, the buildup coming to the National Football League, the whole season was, you know, I don't think there's going to be sports because of everything that's gone on. The NBA, they've been able to put together a bubble. The NHL has been able to put together a bubble. It's really, really difficult. And the logistics would be just almost impossible considering all the elements of putting together an NFL bubble. Obviously, take a look at the Seattle Seahawks, the one player trying to sneak in a girl to the team hotel. That right there is an example of what you would encounter uh, if you did try to go to an NFL bubble. You'd have a lot of issues with that because there are more players to really be accountable for. Um, but in terms of the overall cancellation of a season, I don't think that's going to happen. The NFL has got a contingency plan in place. They have been adamant from the very beginning that they will have an NFL season in 2020, and they're moving forward with that. Now, for example, if they have to postpone, I, I believe they have several plans in place. If there was an interruption in between the season, 
they may have to cancel out a few game stretches there. They may be able to push stuff back. If it's the playoffs, they can push forward. They can postpone the games weeks, maybe even a month. They could postpone the Super Bowl by an entire month if they wanted to as well. They have a contingency plan in place. And as we continue to see the data, I think that things are getting better in terms of testing. Um, Obviously, the access to testing as well, that's going to be a big thing to really keep an eye on. But I do think that there's going to be a full season. But, you know, right now, I I do think everything is up in the air until we are proven otherwise. Chris Gilmore says, who is really going to be the starting running back for the Broncos? Uh, Chris, you know, I think my hunch is, I think it's going to be Philip Lindsay. And in terms of that, too, I don't think necessarily the coaches are worried about the title of who's starting. I think that you're going to see week one against Tennessee. I think you're going to see Philip Lindsay on the football field first. He's going to be the guy getting the first carry for the Broncos. And I think that he's earned that right. He's had a very strong camp. And he's been taking advantage of every opportunity. Melvin Gordon got banged up with some rib injury. Uh, He's obviously been back practicing. He's going to be back at practice today at the UCL Training Center. So he's going to be continuing to push a little bit. But I do believe that Philip Lindsay is going to be the guy that we see getting the first carry for the Broncos week one against the Tennessee Titans. Ben Payton says, with all the preseason games canceled, are the Broncos planning to organize any scrimmage games as other teams have done to better prepare players for week one? Now, Ben, Broncos head coach Vic Fangio mentioned that this could be a possibility. The team may go some live action uh, as the season gets a little bit closer. We're literally just 18 days away. So that would have to happen within, I think, the next seven days, uh, to be honest with you, because I think the Broncos are reaching their practice limit of padded contacted practices. So one of them has got to be, I, I think, one of those live simulations. Now, that's up in the air. I think with some of the injuries that the Broncos have sustained, some of the soft tissue muscle injuries, I think that the Broncos are probably going to lay off of going with a live simulation, more so live fire action. I don't think they're going to see that, uh, obviously, this year. I think the first live action for the Broncos is going to be week one. So I don't think that they're going to do any of those organized scrimmages. I just think at this point, it might be a little bit too risky. Mike Gomez says, with the unfortunate injury to Justin Sternett, who will step up at the linebacker core? Will Josie Jewell be called on more, or will they sign a veteran on the open market? I think the Broncos are going to focus in-house first, Mike. Now, if, if worst comes to worst, look, you've got uh, Josie Jewell as a second-team linebacker. Him and Justin Sternett were both rotating as a second-team linebacker on the second-team defense for the Broncos behind Todd Davis, Alexander Johnson. I think you're going to see a combination of maybe Josie Jewell in certain packages, Justin Hollins, maybe Josh Watson. You might even see a a safety come down. You may see Trey Marshall, even Duke Dawson playing a little bit of that dime backer role for this Broncos team. So I think they're going to go more so in-house from people that I've spoken to. In-house seems to be the option now, considering the state of uh, COVID, the testing and bringing guys in. I think that's going to be the likely route for the Broncos, Mike. Tim Wen says, will we see more butt stuff? <laughs> Jake Butt. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Jake Butt. Now, how often in comparison to guys like Albert Okwebunam and, and Noah Fant and even Nick Vanette, who are really the projected three guys for the Broncos at tight end right now, they're likely going to keep a fourth. It's likely going to be Jake Butt. He's really kind of separating himself so far in training camp. And I think that you know, more butt stuff would be good for the Denver Broncos. As, as weird as it is to say that, I do think we're going to see a lot more Jake Butt. And if that's the case, I'm happy because I think he's going to get an opportunity to finally showcase what he can do in the National Football League when fully healthy. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to talk with Andrew Wade, host of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. But before we that, I got to tell you guys about the other sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's a good friends over there at Roman. And for guys talking about erectile dysfunction isn't an easy thing. And usually guys like to brush it off or blame themselves by saying things like I lost my mojo or guys tend to avoid it altogether with excuses like, you know, honey, I had a long day at work or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it and it's easy to get back into the game in the fourth quarter when you absolutely need to drive with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe 
and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your very home. A healthcare professional will work. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan possible. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is just straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockdownNFL and complete an online visit today. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockdownNFL today. If approved, you get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockdownNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockdownNFL. All right, I am joined here by Cody Rourke of the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Cody, how you doing, man? You know what, Andrew? I'm doing really, really well, man. Outside of being busy, you, you know, we're just a couple weeks away from football. And I tell you what, I'm super, super excited. I know it's a little bit of a different state because – Without college football, I, I think it's really just going to be a very interesting dynamic. Uh, but obviously, we got the NFL to kind of keep us going until then. I wish we could have both, but you know what? I'm happy at least we get one or the other. Yeah, man, I, I really do wish we had college football. Definitely give me something to talk about a little more. But um, nevertheless, I'll have more time to focus on the Hawkeye alums in the NFL. And we're starting with the Broncos today, man, with you, dude, because you pay you know very close attention. You are one of the best analysts out there. I love looking at you, you know, listening to your podcast for Broncos analysis and all that good stuff. But um, let's start off with the first one, probably the easy thing. Noah Fant, um, last year, people were really down on him for, for whatever reason. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous because I thought he played pretty well, especially down the stretch when he had Drew Locke. But um, have you noticed any improvement with him from last year to this training camp? He's, uh, he's added some more muscle this offseason, and he's – and it's weird to say he's added more muscle, but he's also leaned out a little bit too. But he's he was already got, super lean and super muscular. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that was the crazy thing about, you know, where Noah Fant is at, but also, you know, he looks a little bit faster too this year. And, and I don't know if that was just really getting the first year out of the NFL out of the way, you know, really last year as a rookie, he was able to come in, go through a strength program. This year was a lot different. I mean, he had to do a strength and conditioning program essentially on his own with kind of guidance from the strength and conditioning coach, Lauren Landau. Uh, but, yeah, no, he looks great. Um, he did sit, sit out of a practice last week due to an illness, but, he, you know, he came back and, and he was fine, and, and he's been one of Drew Locke's big targets. I mean, if you go back and you take a look at the highlight reel from training camp, uh, Locke goes to him consistently, especially on little crossing patterns and quick little dump-offs. So that's got me really excited about maybe how the Broncos can continue to utilize him. And I want to touch on the point you had mentioned about the negativity that he received uh, in the first part of the season. Well, here's the deal. I think a lot of people had these expectations with the uh, first-round tight end that he's going to put up these you know, 1,000-yard receiving numbers. But the reality is rookies rarely do that. Mike Ditka is the one outlier to the exception. But when you look at his overall season finish, Noah Fant was actually climbing up the ladder to maybe challenge a little bit for arguably one of the best rookie seasons for a tight end in the NFL. So there's a lot of room to grow. And to think about what he did in just a few games with Drew Locke in comparison to how he did with Joe Flacco is a night and day difference. Yep. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Him and Locke have that chemistry. And there was a way that, you know, he was able to get open more, be able to be a target more. And I think for Fant, he's going to have a big year in 2020. I just have a really strong feeling about that based on watching him. If he can stay healthy, which I'm not really concerned about, I think the sky's the limit for Noah Fant in year two. I love it, man. And I think obviously Cortland Sutton would be the, the number one wide receiver and the Broncos added a ton of options around Drew Locke, a ton of weapons. Would Noah Fant be seen as the true number two option then out of the, the remaining options? 
You know, it's interesting to think about because the way the Broncos offense is out of 11 personnel, they're going to have three wide receivers on the field. They're going to have one running back, one tight end as their base offensive set. And you have a multitude of options. Anytime you have three receivers on the field, that's great. But you add that tight end as well with a guy like Noah Fant, you have multiple receiving threats. You have four, five, essentially, if you're counting the running back as a potential threat there. Um, I, I think that he's going to be a consistent option. Now, I think the team's evident number one option is going to be Cortland Sutton. Mm -hmm. And you can almost make an argument now that you can anticipate Jerry Judy will be the second option there. So I think with the attention that guys like Cortland Sutton will receive, Jerry Judy will more than likely receive as well due to his route running ability, yeah. I think it's going to open up more opportunities for Noah Fant to have not only more catches this season, but I say overall more touchdown receptions overall than he had in his rookie season. So I think that Noah Fant's in a great position within this Broncos offense right now. And, and look, you know, we're going to find out here in just about three weeks what this team is made of against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, the hype, I feel like the Broncos went from underrated to almost overrated in a sense of people, you know, evaluating those weapons and realizing that there are a lot of great offensive weapons. People are expecting a lot from Drew Locke. The pressure is, is definitely on in year two for a lot of those guys. So excited to see that. One of the other guys who's still on a rookie contract that I want to touch on is Josie Jewell. Um, last year, he, you know, lost his job to Alexander Johnson. Alexander Johnson came out of nowhere, did a fantastic job. Josie Jewell, though, only played about 20% of the defensive snaps last year after playing about 40 to 45 in year one. Now, though, Todd Davis is injured. We saw Justin Strain. I can't say his last name very well. Sternid. Sternid yeah. injured as well. Uh, so what does that mean for Josie Jewell? Not a lot of people are talking about him as the potential fill-in replacement. People were looking, you know, externally. What can we, can we bring in Darren Lee? Can we bring in Nigel Bradham? Why not Josie Jewell? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think that uh, Broncos fans, and, and I love Broncos fans, don't get me wrong, but I feel like Broncos fans can be very impatient at times when it comes to players that you talk about, you know, uh, still on a rookie contract, entering year three of his career in the National Football League. Same thing with Broncos running back Royce Freeman. A lot of Broncos fans are kind of over those two players, and I don't necessarily understand it because when I look at Josie Jewell, he struggled at the very beginning of the season last year because he was thrust into the lineup. I mean, Todd Davis was out last year at the start of the season. And really, he just struggled in learning Vic Fangio's defense. It's a very intricate defense to learn. It's very hard. And, you know, he was making strides there. But then he got injured. And that was one of the biggest things that derailed him. I believe it was against the Green Bay Packers in that week three matchup. And so you didn't get to see much from him there outside of special teams. And so when Todd Davis went down with the calf injury last week at practice, Josie Jewell stepped in. And, and he's gotten a lot of reps with the second team unit. He and Justin Sternid. Those, those two players were the second-team linebackers there. So, you know, I think in certain situations you look at it and say, okay, well, it's easy to say, well, Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson are the starters. But I still think that Josie Jewell has a role on this football team. He certainly earned it. He's healthy. He's actually in shape. And I think that for him, he's in a good spot. And, you know, Andrew, you know this as well as I do. All it takes is one play, one injury, and you're in. And I think for Josie Jewell, he's picked up the defense a lot more for Fangio's scheme. Um, obviously, Reggie Herring, the inside linebacker coach for the Broncos, has done a phenomenal job bringing that position group up to speed because in Fangio's defense, it's probably the hardest position to play because of the ability that you have to have to react quickly to a multitude of things. And I think for Jewell, the first part of last season was biting on the play action a lot more because, you know, you're trying to play run, but you also have to play the pass. And you're playing spread them out teams that try to pass the ball quickly. RPOs, we saw a lot of that. And so it really changed the game. And I think that Jewell's in a better place now. 
I love it, man. Yeah, I mean, personally, just I feel like Josie Jewell, you know, you could have a lot worse options as a backup linebacker. He has 12 career starts. He's in his third year. Coming out of Iowa, you were, he was never known as being a an athlete. He was very instinctual, though. So now that he has that Vic Mangio scheme down, I feel like you could have a lot worse options at that backup linebacker spot. So moving on to Michael Ojemudia, a guy who I feel like Broncos fans probably weren't as high on getting him in the third round. A lot of draft analysts were not as high on him either. Um, we talked a bit about this when he did get drafted. I feel like he is a great, you know, great fit for that scheme um, once he learns a little bit more of the intricacies of man coverage. But so far, the talk hasn't been very high on him as you know, far as taking that number three cornerback spot. I know he's been dealing with injuries, but what is kind of the mood and story coming out of camp with Michael Ojemudia? So a lot of people had thought initially that Ojemudia would be the Broncos outside, you know, cornerback three. They always thought that, but the Broncos have a different position in mind for him. And it, it's really that hybrid role in the nickel or dime package where he's going to play in the slot or he has the ability to play as kind of a box safety linebacker type player. He's got the hybrid role. It's something that the Broncos did last season with Will Parks, who is now a Philadelphia Eagle. That's what the type of role that they were envisioning for a guy like Ojemudia. And Broncos head coach Vic Fangio alluded to it at the NFL Scout and Combine. We may look to go more of a dime look against some of the spread them out teams. So that involves six defensive backs on the football field. And O.J. Moody is a smart technical player. And you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. But, you know, for him, he's the type of player that loves contact. Broncos defense coordinator Ed Donatel, we were on a conference call with him about you know, a couple months ago. And he just said that really the one person that's really picking up the defensive scheme in the classroom in the virtual setting is Michael Ojemudi. He was really blown away with how smart he is. That's awesome. And they wanted to see him carry that over into practice. Now, a lot of people, I think, are freaking out that, you know, he hasn't made a lot of headlines or, you know, you haven't heard him talked about as much, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, he's just, he's a rookie, he's learning, and they've got a, a role that, uh, designed for him that they think is going to work best for the defense and not only just that but play to the strengths of OJ Moody you know you mentioned the intricacies of man-to-man -man coverage you know there will be times he's required to play man coverage but primarily the Broncos they're going to want to blitz him from the nickel they want to blitz him from the slot they have a multitude of options they can do with him right now he's dealing with the quad injury and Vic Fangio said he could be out up to a week potentially a little bit more and you know kind of disappointing but you know obviously considering the offseason no real you know training camp was a late start no real offseason program no preseason game you don't really get the chance to get acclimated. And so these guys are dealing with a lot of soft tissue, uh, muscle issues overall. So uh, I think for OG Moody, I'm excited to be able to see him step onto the football field. Now, if he doesn't start right away or even like contribute on defense in the first couple of weeks, he's going to be a key special teams player for the Broncos in 2020. Yeah. But the sky's the limit with OG Moody. I love it, man. Yeah, I think I think what people forget sometimes is that he has great size, six foot one, two hundred pounds. Um, they were actually the Iowa Hawkeyes were looking at playing him in that dime backer kind of role in their scheme. So, and he has that versatility. He played linebacker in high school. He wanted to play safety a little bit at Iowa, so it makes sense. It seems like the Broncos are really utilizing his skill set a lot better than what even the Iowa Hawkeyes did um, when they had him on their squad. So, Cody, obviously, I appreciate the insight. That is something that we're not going to get unless we get a chance to talk to you. So, I appreciate you coming on. Where can the Iowa Hawkeye fans find you? Yeah, every single day alongside your listening experience with Locked On Hawkeyes, you can add Locked On Broncos to your list Monday through Friday. We have a show for you every single day, breaking down the Broncos news, analysis, and everything else going on in Dove Valley, including for some of the former Hawkeyes that are in Denver, as we talked about on today's episode of the show. And Andrew, anytime uh, you want me to come back on, man, it's great. And then I'll also have you on as well this season uh, to be able to talk about these guys after they have a big performance. Uh, I love it. I think it's going to be great, man. But hey, keep up the great work here at Locked On Hawkeyes. And uh, yeah, Andrew is a good guy folks and he, he, does, he knows his stuff so uh, you're doing something good if you're listening to his podcast
I appreciate it, my man. Well, Cody, have a great day, buddy. Thank you.